0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory.
2: It's a live Casey Laboratory presented by M Prize Bank Member FDIC. Matthew Lane, you know this feels today like a perfect opportunity to give you what you've wanted for the last—I don't know when was the when was the draft—I don't know since May one—a chance, a platform to talk some draft. I think we're gonna do it today, buddy.
3: Listen, this is what happens when you have the number one seed in the AFC. When you hmm. get a bye week year after year after year, this is what you get to do during the wild card, week- wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs. You get to start draft talk and there's no Kent Swanson. There's no Craig Stout. There's <laughs> no BJ Kissel. They can hold me back when we have a bye week during this wild card weekend. It is time. It is time to talk draft, Craig. Buddy, I know you've been busy. I don't know if you've had a chance beside to watch more than a couple prospects that I've probably watched with you, but I'm so glad that you were here. And in two weeks, I'm going to be happy to see your face in Las Vegas as we get into the Shrine Bowl.
4: I am so into this show and relaxed. We don't have to really focus on the Chiefs or anything. I've got <laughs> Ben Holiday, Bottle and Bond in a glass. This is gonna be a great show. I'm I'm gonna learn so much from you, Maddie. It's gonna be
2: great. He's Craig's vibing tonight. I'm vibing. Um, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it about 50,000 feet. You know, we're not gonna get granular on 50, I'm out. minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna I think it's gonna be more just like big, big, big picture stuff than it is like we're gonna get all the way into the weeds on every single prospect. Uh, so Maddie can just deal with that. But Uh, Before we get into anything, we do have a very special announcement as it pertains to a giveaway that we are doing for the KCSN Foundation. So we are having a ticket giveaway where you can win two tickets to the ASC Divisional Rounds. You can get two entries to the Tickets for Less VIP Tailgate and one parking pass. So two tickets, two entries to the uh, Tickets for Less VIP Tailgate and one parking pass. By donating to the KC Sports Network Venmo, you are entered. One ticket is $10. Eight tickets is $50. Again, you're going to get a chance to go to the AFC Divisional Round. Might be the only playoff game in Arrowhead this year. KC Sports Network is the Venmo. $10, one ticket. Eight tickets, $50. There should be a link to the Venmo in the description of this show. But you have until January 18th to get your tickets, you're gonna get a chance to go to the game, and you are going to help the KCSN Foundation in a big, big way, um, helping us continue to, um, you know, do things in this community that we we want to, you know, that we love doing and want to support. So, um, yeah, it gives you an opportunity to help a lot of people in the in the area and potentially go to the AFC Divisional Round. Uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Thanks everybody for hanging out. Uh, it is gonna be a draft show tonight uh, because we we I, i'm I'm actually really excited. if you've been following us, you know how much we geek out about the roster building stuff and we're energized by the roster building stuff. and the draft is obviously a big factor that I mean, we write a book about it every year. um but we're not gonna get into day three safeties. we are gonna well, maybe a little bit. but <laughs> Maddie's maddie Maddie's hellbent on on that happening but i think it's worth having a big picture conversation about you know this this team's big glaring needs heading into the off season this team's you know potential draft strategy and looking at you know where there are some maybe some big pockets of players that they could potentially capitalize on when it comes to you know ranges of the draft you know the first you know the top 100 picks so um i think it's probably worth going through a few positions and talking about you know, what could happen at the position and, and you know, whether or not we think it's worth investing in draft, you know, draft capital in it. So I think like the one I want to start with is Orlando Brown. Like that's the big question. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of debate about what to do with Orlando Brown. Do you sign him to a big deal? Does he agree to a big deal? Do you franchise tag him for a second year? If you do franchise tag him, What's the game plan? Are you investing in the tackle position for the long term and saying goodbye to Orlando Brown after this season? I think that's one of the I, that I, I, outside of Chris Jones, that might be the biggest question mark for this offseason and the biggest what, what could be the biggest determining factor in how this team approaches the draft, Matthew?
3: Yeah, um, it's So there's going to be a lot of draft talk, but I I agree that you have to start it with Orlando Brown Jr. And I I would even push back that it's probably more important to figure this out than Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. Um, He's under contract because Chris Jones is is under contract. And the more I look at it, the Chiefs technically, with the way the cap's going, can ride with him for what his cap is next year. Like It's doable. So this is bigger and more so this big, bigger is Orlando Brown Jr.'s just about to turn 27 in May. He's still young, especially for an offensive tackle. He's been healthy throughout his career. So, like, this isn't a guy that you're worried about coming up anywhere close to what you would anticipate being a production drop off or a play level drop off. So, the Chiefs are kind of in a weird spot and they have this above average left tackle, maybe well above average. He's making, I mean, you know, maybe well above average. Apparently, his peers and opposing coaches think he's well above average. And he's coming into his prime, especially for this position. How do you openly choose and willingly walk away from that? What is the thought process to do that? You want to say you're picking in the top 10 and you want to go draft the top 10 tackle to replace him? Absolutely fine. Save money. You're hoping you get better than above average left tackle play out of that guy. When you're drafting at the end of round one perennially, eh, that becomes a lot more difficult. So like, this is a huge decision they have to decide. And I honestly... Much like last year, I think his play down the stretch kind of made the choice for them. Uh, then, if I'm being frank, I think he's played his way into being a Chief one way or another for at least, at minimum, one more year.
4: I made the argument last offseason that the Chiefs should pay him, and they did put a contract on the table. Obviously, Orlando Brown and his agent decided that they wanted to go, you know, let it ride another year, try and prove that he was worth that money all he's done in that time period, yeah, he didn't start very hot, but was make another pro Bowl was go ahead and perform well at the end of the year again, you know, continued to be one of Patrick Mahomes's you know left hand man. I was gonna say right hand man, but he plays on the left left hand man. So like he's he's very integral to the locker room. He's very integral to what Patrick Mahomes does. He understands what Mahomes does. He made another pro Bowl. At this point, like Matty said, with his age and the production that you are going to get over the life of that contract, I don't see how he doesn't make at least what he made last year, you know, as far as a contract goes. We'll see. You know, I understand him wanting to hold out, be the top paid tackle and all that. Laramie Tunsil is going to have something to say with that this year, and maybe that will help set the market a little bit. You know, the chiefs might say, Hey, we're not coming up to that number, but we'll come up to this number instead. Maybe that's what helps bridge the gap. But Maddie spot on here. The l- earliest that the chiefs can pick with their natural pick this year is 27. That's right. Based on their record, based on everything else that will sort out. And based on them <laughs> having to buy the earliest that they can pick is twenty-seventh. So that's tough. That is really tough to look at and say, oh, you can get a guy, go out and just wait. You can wait for that sort of guy. Historically, that's not the case. You don't find really, truly elite left tackles typically at that point. As a matter of fact, it is more likely that you are going to find a downgrade to Orlando Brown Jr. Yes, it saves money. Yes, you can use that money elsewhere. I understand all of those arguments. But frankly, you need to protect Patrick Mahomes. So... I think Orlando Brown Jr gets paid this offseason.
2: And I I think it, let's just say look if they tag him again. If they tag him again, I don't think that they're getting a long-term deal with with him done for, you know, beyond this year. Like I think if they tag him this year, the plan is they're moving on. Mm-hmm. Now, that's where it gets a little bit interesting. Let's say they tag Orlando Brown. If they tag Orlando Brown, do you try to find a tackle in in the back end of round round one this year to develop for a year? Is that a tactic that you try to employ, Matthew? Okay, so now...
3: I'm pivoting from broad spectrum stuff into this particular draft class, right? So now you go from go for it. Theoretically, yes, that is a a path that is 100% acceptable. You're going to take a slightly probably if your goal is to start Orlando Brown Jr. for a year and then cycling a new guy after he develops for a year, you're taking a higher ceilinged, more developmental tackle prospect that probably is a high-end athlete that flashes but isn't ready. Um so you'll take him at the end of round 1. Think walker little for the jaguars a guy that we were Mm kind of high on that's got forced into playing time down the stretch this year and has been pretty good you're kind of thinking of a guy along those lines you know towards the end of round one i guess that was a little early for him but still that's what you're thinking you can do that in this particular draft class though i think the offensive tackle class's strength kind of comes in that range you're outside of the top 20 to the top 75 range, maybe even top 100, I think you're going to have a handful of offensive tackles that you can find in round two, maybe even into round three that aren't going to be that much worse than the guys that you would be taking at the end of round one. So would I want to do that in this draft class? Would I want to reach a little bit and take an Anton Harrison, an offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, Versus waiting and taking Blake Freeland, an offensive tackle out of BYU, uh, a Darnell Wright tackle out of Tennessee, a round or two later. I, I don't know. I think that's where you start to tear these guys up. So this year, I almost think the Chiefs will be better off, regardless of what they do with Orlando Brown Jr., waiting, a, waiting around, waiting until day two to take that developmental tackle. And we can't forget in all of this, they need a right tackle too, right? Yeah, uh, they yeah. also that's, need that, a right
2: tackle. So that's what remember that. Okay, so yeah. this was the next question. I'll ask Craig this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, this is just a okay. Let's say that let's say that they go out and they extend Orlando Brown Jr. or they tackle. I don't care either one. Just like a DeWan Jones, just a massive human. So you've got two massive giant bookends. Mm-hmm. Just do you do you go right tackle early? In the draft, you go try to take a a right tackle early and just build a giant wall around Patrick Levon Mahomes.
4: I mean, yes, I I, I would prefer that. I mean, especially since you've got two young interior, you know, offensive linemen there. Yeah. Cost controlled. And yes, you are paying Joe Tooney. And yes, you are playing Orlando Brown Jr. But, you know, you can get by with not having an elite player at a position we talk about it all the time when building offensive line, you can get away with not having an elite player at one of those positions. But frankly, that's where the value kind of is. Like if you wanted to tell me that Darnell, Wright, you know, near the end of round two, which I don't know if he'll be around for that. I but a guy for Tennessee that played right tackle a lot. He is fun as hell to watch and would be really fun in this offense. A good mover, a guy that can you know bulldoze dudes in the run game, th- lives to pancake people. Like I mean, I I love watching guys like that. If you told me that that was the pick in round two, I'm not going to argue it one bit. Make the strength a strength. All of a sudden, you take this offensive line from potentially a top you know six, seven, eight unit to a top three unit if if right works out in that scenario so yes absolutely you can do that protect patrick mahomes lean on the run game when you're ahead like all those things work out for the Chiefs, so i would absolutely take a right tackle early in that scenario
2: yeah i i it's it's worth examining and that would be a just a fun proposition there just to just to just load up on the offensive line um just create a, a a really good group. I mean, it's already a good group in front of Mahomes, but just continuing mm-hmm. to add that we're spending a lot of time talking about the draft today. If you couldn't tell, and Tucker Franklin's here to talk to you a little bit about DraftKings.
5: The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl Fifty Seven, new customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred and free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action's so good, why bet on the NFL playoffs anywhere else? As Chiefs fans, we get to kick our feet up this weekend and watch all this wild card round action and get to experience the phenomenal app that DraftKings Sportsbook has. And here's what you got to do to get these deals. you got to download that DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details.
0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Entertain, educate, inform KC Sports Network.
2: I'm not advocating for this. Let the record Do it. show. I'm not advocating for this. I did just see this question from Mike Guy, and I think it's worth examining a little bit when we're looking at a draft conversation. Mike Guy leaves a comment. By the way, leave a leave a comment if you'd like. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. What would Chris Jones' trade value be? Well, I think that's just worth exploring. If you go out and you trade Chris Jones again, I'm not advocating for it. Get, don't do it. Uh, this team, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't know. That's a, here's here's my, real quick. Here's my problem with cr- trading Chris Jones. Like, yes, I understand he's aging. Yes, I understand he's going to be expensive. I don't know what is available out in the market to be able to help you generate at a high level, generate a pass rush, generate pressure, and improve that team. Like I'm, I'm nervous about that. Like you, like, I, you guys both think you have some ideas, but like, what's it gonna Do cost? Like. What's what's the, well, Craig does at least. Is it is it is it a? No, my my idea is you don't trade Chris Jones and you add Deron
4: Payne and you just have an elite interior defensive I, line. Like okay. I, Payne
3: Hargrave, you there's some. Oh yeah, absolutely. either one of those two. But those job, are trades, correct?
2: Targets. Deron Payne would be a trade, correct?
3: No, There's they're both free, free agents. Free agent, okay. They're both free agents. Uh, that's mm-hmm. probably your two best defensive line free agents: is Javon so, Hargrave yes. and, and Deron Payne.
2: My whole thing is, though, if you're gonna build through the interior defensive line, I mean that that would mean adding to the interior and not replacing Chris Jones with a Deron Payne. Correct. I guess is my thing. It's like that's where I that's where I go. So let's just let's just or do you have something, Maddie? Jump in.
3: Well, I was gonna give you the path. Like I don't think this is the case because I I. I think the Indianapolis Colts trading for DeForest Buckner for what was a pick 13. People think that that's like the starting price for a Chris Jones trade. No I chance. don't think so. Uh the age matters, how much money he's going <laughs> to want matters, and I think that Colts trade was a little bit of an outlier. I think the Colts trading that pick yeah. for a defensive tackle Was an outlier. I don't think teams around the NFL are using that as a barometer of what they're going to trade for a defensive tackle or any defensive lineman. It's similar to the Christian Kirk deal for the Jaguars. We heard how that made every you know a bunch of teams mad because now all of a sudden there's this you know deal that's way out of the market that they have to you know reply to or act on, and eventually they just kind of started ignoring it because it was an outlier. I think DeForest Buckner for the 13th overall picks an outlier. So I throw that out. And now you're looking around. What is a defensive tackle who's nearing 30 that's going to want $27 million a year? You know, what's his trade value actually going to be? So, okay, let's say you get a late first round pick for him. And I think that's probably the best case scenario. Like, that's what I assume is the best case scenario. Okay, now what am I doing with that? Am I going to come out of this draft with BJ Ojulari and then pay Deron Payne 20 million dollars save just a little bit of money and like hope that's as good? I don't I don't see how you get as good. The only way that trade makes sense is if a Colts level team comes in and offers you a pick around the 10th overall pick. And you are either going to use that to trade up and go get, well, Jalen Carter and hope he becomes Chris Jones or, <laughs> or you're going to take, you know, uh, Tyree Wilson, miles Murphy, defensive ends out of Texas tech or Clemson, get better at defensive end and still pay a hard grave or a pain. Like there's your path to saving a little money, maybe getting better, getting more complete along the defensive line. I just don't think you're going to get a top 10 ish pick for Chris Jones and trade. And then that the- whole theory scrapped.
4: Yeah. And it's, and and it's Carter and then a cliff. Like, I mean, it, yep. it is. So you, you're not looking at a draft pick and going, well, we'll just get that guy to come in and affect the past of the way that Chris Jones did. And you can rewind back to last offseason where I'm sitting here going, yeah, Chris Jones not playing for this team this next year. You know, I will, you know, all this stuff. He has blossomed under Joe Colon. He had by far his best year ever. Clearly needs to be on this team. I don't think it's a contract year thing either. Like, it, it, he is a different player because if it was just a contract year thing, I think you'd see him sack hunting more than he is. He's playing the run at a much better level. He's being a lot more gap sound. He's playing within the scheme. Like, there's a lot of things that, you, that people have said about Chris Jones in the past, and pretty much all of them are just completely gone this year. So, no, I don't think Chris Jones gets traded, even if it was. Yeah, I'm with Matty back into the first round. I don't think that pick moves the needle enough
2: for what Chris Jones does for this defense. I'm I'm going to I'm going to throw this out here really quick though. <laughs> the Eagles have the 10th pick and they are losing Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. That's the only one I could potentially see as like making some sense for that team those teams in that range. Because they are losing that those interior rushers, so maybe something like that. But and you,
3: I think you consider it. I mean, I think you would. I think if that's the pick you're getting back, I mean, mm-hmm. you would be wild not to consider it. And mm-hmm. at that point in time, it all comes down to how you feel about the players in this draft. And do you think if a Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are off the board, how do you feel about Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson? How do you feel about that next group after the top two? Because you probably won't get carter or anderson at 10 but you might get the next guy so if you love a miles murphy if you love tyree wilson then maybe you do consider that move now you still need to go out and get veterans and the best veterans happen to be at defensive tackle and they're probably going to want to get paid too when chris jones is out there making 28 million dollars guess who else's price tag goes up the Mm -hmm. other d tackles but i could see the path to thinking that your team is going to be better now when you get a top 10 pick at defensive end and you bring in maybe not a tier one maybe a tier two a tier two and a half defensive tackle instead of having like i can see the path of that working i just i don't think you're getting a pick high enough to make it work
4: well and it and it's even more of a moot point when they spend that pick on quentin johnston instead you know and they don't (laughs) add to the okay now wait hold on which is yeah
3: Broderick Jones might be available at 10 and Broderick after I Jones watch might. that man get out in open space <laughs> against TCU and eliminate those tiny little guys I, okay hold on I'm back in now
2: yeah but I mean I think those like if you look at the two big things that kind of affect how the Chiefs offseason is gonna go and ultimately the drafts gonna go is I think those are the two big big things the big decisions that this football team has to make it's hey yeah. what's happening with Orlando Brown what's happening with 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 Chris Jones, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's a sum of their parts improvement across the defensive line. If you move on from Chris Jones, and like, yeah, maybe that maybe it's you know, Deron Payne, Miles Murphy, George Karloftis is your pass rush next year. I mean, I'm not mad at it, but I don't love it. Like, you're not
3: to me across the board. I think that sounds better than what it was this year. The only difference was Chris Jones was so good that. I don't know if you make up for, like just based on name value I read off that foursome versus the current you know Loftus, Naughty or Saunders, Chris Jones and then like uh Frank or Dunlap or whoever that foursome that group doesn't scare me as much as the one that you just read overall. The issue is you still have to figure out how to handle Chris Jones. If you do, you're good. But if you can't, then the game's kind of over. So I don't yeah. I I see both sides and it it's a tough spot to be in this trade would have made a lot more sense a couple of years ago than it would have now.
2: For sure. Uh, but it's going to be fascinating to see how, I mean, th- those, those are big key moments for this team in their off season. And then it'll kind of, a lot of dominoes will fall in how this team, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, is built from there. But um, I would be stunned if, if neither, I, I, I honestly, I expect Orlando J- Brown Jr. and Chris Jones back at this point. Um, I think the off season would be very interesting if one of them isn't, but uh it, it it'll, it'll I mean it would kind of, be like Tyreek Hill again. Not not quite maybe to the same scale because I don't think the I don't think the draft capital that you're going to get is going to be the same uh, the value of it but it'll be uh, it'll be a seismic shift in how this team is building itself for the future. And like it, look, if the Chiefs win a Super Bowl this year, maybe that gives you a little grace to say, "You know what? We're going to we're going to we're going to get cute here a little bit in at at the interior defensive line and try to, you know, like that could be a an opportunity for them to just you know move on a little bit from you know if they get another ring under their belts or something like that. But I don't know. I, I would. Uh, I'd be surprised if either those guys are uh, not Chiefs next year. I want to talk about the receiver position now. I want to ask you guys Ooh. a little bit about the receiver position because uh, man, it's it's wild. <laughs> I, it's just it's just wild because. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Juju. Travis Kelsey continues to defy age. But again, he makes you forget he's like 30. He's going to be 34 years old next year. Like he keeps making people forget how, you know, good he is or, you know, or how old he is, you know. So you're looking at a continually aging tight end who is still the best tight end in football. Don't get me wrong. You're looking at Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony under contract. Marquez Valdez Scantling technically under contract. We'll see. Um, but you like? Do you, how early do you invest in receiver? Like you threw Quentin Johnson's name out, and mm-hmm. I just it's, they it's, they
4: can't they they won't find him. He's not uh, going to be he's there. not going to be there at
2: twenty seven. <laughs> but I guess I'm yeah. just you you threw receiver out is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. I I think you know the Chiefs just got done taking a receiver in the top sixty. Would it stun you again if they did? Like, I would not stun me if they did it again, Matthew. Uh,
3: I no, I would not be shocked at all. I okay, if they don't bring back Juju Smith-Schuster, I think it's a lock that they spend one of their first two picks on a wide receiver. Looking around, the you know, and the the caveat is okay. DeAndre Hopkins sounds like he might be on the trading block, and Chiefs fans are kind of running wild with that right now. Michael Thomas might be getting released at some point in time. Like there might be some wide receivers that are going to be available that aren't right now. But if you go look at the free agent wide receiver group right now, it's mm-hmm. kind of Juju Smith Schuster, McCole Hardman, and, and Darius Slayton and Jacoby Myers. Like that's your top guys. So they're gonna get. So if they lose Juju, there's not like there's somebody they can bring in in free agency that's there right now to make up for it. So you have to kind of start looking at. Where do we go draft a player? And the issue with the Chiefs is you kind of got to draft that guy early. They drafted Sky Moore early. They couldn't really find a way to use him. Maybe part of that was the personnel they had, but it wasn't like he became a reliable player for them. So they can't sit back and take this fun player at the end of round two or round three. And because we like him, we feel good about it. But like the Chiefs have shown you time and time again, it takes a little bit of time for them to feel comfortable using receivers in this offense the right way or figuring out, how they want to do it. So yeah, if the Chiefs don't bring back Juju Smith-Schuster, and this is regardless of MVS here or not, I don't I don't think he impacts what they do at wide receiver one way or the other. I think he might be here, he might not. Who knows? I think that's
2: why you move on. Yeah. Exactly what he, you just said. Yeah, I think that's why you move on. He doesn't
3: impact. Yeah, I don't think he impacts it. So, it's just all about what happens with Juju, really. And at the end of the day, this wide receiver class is a stark step back from what we've had the last few years. Yep. This is not the loaded class. Next year's class, okay, we can start talking. This year isn't that top-end class. So you're already drafting at the end of round one. The wide receiver run might is probably going to happen later, but once it starts, they might come off quick for people doing the same thing, trying to get ahead of it. So I don't know. I don't see a lot of great options for wide receiver in round one, and that that's what scares me a little bit. I don't see that sh- guy that I'm anticipating being there at the end of round one.
4: Jalen Hyatt, no matter what. Oh, I, that's
3: I, 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 Henry you know, Ruggs. Look, look where he went. I, you know, I think I know. People, no, are, people are going to act surprised when he goes top twenty, and I, I don't yeah. know why.
4: I, they shouldn't. He's he's just an elite yeah. vertical threat, and those go high in the NFL. It's the reason why McCall Hartman's going to get paid this off season because guys like that that can run and our vertical stretchers are everything to an offense. So. Yes, it's going to be difficult. This this is one that I actually look at a little bit, and I wonder if the Chiefs are willing to make a small trade-up to try and go get a, a wide receiver because it does kind of fall off a little bit. There's not guys that you're looking at in round two and going, well, you know what, with, with just a little bit of seasoning, you can get that guy right now. It's not like in previous – there's no Christian Watson that you're looking for in round two of this year's class that you're saying, hey – we, we can get this big fast guy and try kind of train him to do everything else. And then, Oh, look, he hit immediately because that you draft athletes. So yes, I, I, I do wonder wide receiver, if that is going to be a priority and they are not either going to make a trade for a guy, which I, at this point, I don't know why you would or make a big splash for a guy. Again, De- Deandre Hopkins is old. Brett beach doesn't like, to add olds to his roster so maybe you you try and sign a guy you know as a mid-tier free agent try and keep Mm -hmm. juju smith schuster and then rely on the depth you have Kadarius tony has blossomed into something fun we haven't seen everything that sky Moore can do maybe you expect him to take that next step you've got guys like justin ross that they have clearly stashed on the practice squad who knows if they get anything out of him if he's even on the roster but a guy that they liked and that he showed up a little bit in camp you have enough kind of rolls of the dice now at this point that i don't think this team is looking at it and saying we absolutely desperately need a true number one that's going to be able to go out and beat everything because frankly travis kelsey is that guy for another year and They did it this year without him. And Patrick Mahomes played at an MVP level.
1: You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network.
2: I, uh, I have some theory. Like I'm, I'm X type receivers. I'm just curious about too. Moving forward, mm. like how much they value them. Um, just I, I, that's a bigger story. So, what does that mean for your roster construction? But they've already got like Sky Moore and Kadarius Toadies, So, like, what are you, what are you doing there? Either so. One, one quick, quick thought. Um, the Chiefs have, just as a reminder, uh, the Chiefs have twelve picks still, uh, currently, uh, because uh, they they have a five one, of them
3: like don't count.
2: They have a one, a two, a three. They have a fourth round pick from is, Miami. Is it the first five, Maddie? Because he's been really good in day three lately. <laughs> hey, yeah. There's a lot of late round oh, seven picks. You're right, Maddie. They shouldn't grab Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco. Nazi Johnson. Yeah, good point. What are those? Can I finish reading the draft capital off really quick, please? (laughs) Thank you.
3: Did you get to round four yet? Because we can cut you off then.
2: One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Round round four from Miami. Their own fourth rounder, a fifth round pick, the sixth round pick from Miami, a sixth round comp pick, a seventh round pick from Atlanta. Uh, potentially for Rashad Fenton, their own seventh and then two compensatory seventh round picks. That's 12 picks. That'll be a fun weekend in Kansas City. So they do have a lot of draft capital. Maddie, the floor is yours. I want to I just like I want to give you a chance because like you've got a lot of thoughts in your head. I guided us on like the three big picture, you know, I think positions that are going to kind of help determine this draft, you know, in how they navigate it but is there any other position that you think like, I think there's one thing to be said about, Hey, these are the potential needs of this football team based on contract situations. There are positions that can be upgraded. There are probably, maybe there are some other swing positions that you're looking at for this draft too. I don't know. I just want to give you the floor to give you an opportunity to talk about whatever you think is the highest priority outside of the three things that we discussed.
3: I mean, yeah, I definitely got a couple things here. I think it starts, we we touched on it a little bit, but It's similar to the offensive tackle argument, only more so. You don't get pass rushers at the end of round one. And this is probably a tricky year to have this conversation since the Chiefs are coming off of drafting George Karloftis, who did have a very good rookie year, who has shown for a late round one rookie to come out and be actually very productive. And even Mm -hmm. if you look around the league the past few years, there's some guys taken towards the end of round one that are starting to pop up. It's starting to come... Every year now, you're getting a late round one guy that is starting to shine a little bit. Jalen Phillips, I think he went pick 20, 23, so it's not quite as late as the Chiefs are picking, but still later than you would imagine. He's on the cusp of becoming a star. George Karloftis had a very promising year. I don't know if I still see star flashes there, but it was a good pick. It was a very good pick for the end of round one. So if you're the Chiefs, you're sitting here, What are you? how do you guys think you approach this? Do you think... I can't get a star defensive end, end of round one. So do I trade up for one? Do I trade for one? Or instead, do I just continue to collect George is solid players and try to just play complementary football around Chris Jones? Like, how do you attack the defensive end position from a disadvantageous draft positioning standpoint?
4: I I trade for one. I, I do. But I condone for that at the trade deadline. Brian Burns, Josh Allen, make a move. And, you know, especially if you're kind of dead set on trading a first or using that first to try and pick a defensive end make it for a guy that even though you got to pay him immediately and i know that we're talking about paying a lot of guys right now but if you look at the cap space you pay a lot of guys guess what you still got room the the chiefs are in really good space with their cap space right now so i would trade that move or trade that pick because frankly you do need an impact guy there george carloftis I think has the potential to be a really high end DE E two. And if you've got a good D E one across from him and Chris Jones in the middle, that is a just absolutely terrifying defensive line. And it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is, whether that's Steve Spagnuolo, Joe colon, outside guy, whoever it is that it ends up being next year, they're going to want that defensive line. And if you're trading that first round draft pick, that doesn't mean that you can't still load up. There are some, gambles near the end of this draft that you can try and get maybe some lighter guys that are just pure pass rushers guys to play some more on base downs there there are guys like that in this draft that are maybe a little more specialized than maybe in some previous years so lean on that a little bit more and use the first to make a splashy move at pass rusher and just get really good you still got Mike Dana in house. I mean a guy who's been very productive this year. If you're adding another defensive lineman, that makes you a really good rotational group. So
2: I'd do that. I I you use the word gamble, Craig, and I think that's one of the things that you can potentially do too is you take a little bit of a risk down there. You take a and I Nolan Smith hurt he's not a perfect fit. He's a little bit lighter, but man, that dude is a super uber talented football player. <laughs> Joe that, I know. I'm just, I, it's, it's the, it's more about like, Hey, like that's the philosophy you employ is like you take a gamble on a guy coming off an injury. You maybe try to get a little bit of value there just to try to, you know, add some more like closer to the blue chip talent that you're seeking by maybe taking a little bit of a risk. I, the Baltimore Ravens have done this a lot um, as they've developed their team. I think, I mean, even uh, even uh, J- Odafe Owa might have been going a little bit earlier than than he was. I think. Then he co- wasn't he coming off an injury. Um, they drafted the Michigan pass rusher just off an of injury and, and invested in him. Like maybe you take some swings at some of these key positions, some of these high profile positions. You try to see if there's some value that you can let. Follow you by taking you know taking a risk and grabbing somebody off of an injury like those are the passes success but like i think craig like to your point i think that is why like the frank clark move like didn't work out because like things outside of what frank clark things outside of his control and things just outside of what the chiefs thought they were getting happened with frank clark but like the version of frank getting the version of frank clark That was in Seattle for the twenty fifth pick. I know you have to pay him, but like you, you can't get Frank Clark's very often at at pick twenty five unless there's you know the the stuff that happened. But, um, man, I, I I, I will I will maintain Frank Clark if he helps
4: set you know like ends up second in the NFL ever in playoff sacks. Well worth that first round pick. I don't. I don't care that he had some down years in the middle there. Like <laughs> finishes out the playoffs well. Like well worth the first round pick. Please proceed. <laughs> no,
3: nope.
2: that was it.
3: That was great. No. I- I'm with you. Um, I think that trade's going to skew a lot of chiefs fans, like thoughts on the whole thing. And I think you just, you just have to go back and just like consider if the chiefs got, you know, fourth year, Frank Clark for this entire time, how would your opinion change? Maybe you still thought it was an overpay, but now the process looks a lot better when it's a guy that is perennially, you know, 10 sacks dominating versus the run, always healthy, always giving, like you always can give it his all like that changes everything. Um, so I agree. One more question on defensive line then, or end. If we're sitting here now, January 12th, we have no idea what's going to happen. What, what do we think they're looking for in terms of pass rushers? Do you think this is a transition <laughs> to a Joe Colon-esque pass rush? Do we think this is a traditional Steve Spagnuolo pass rush? Like Where as a where you want to tell these fans, these great fans, these people listening, all 157 of them right now, what kind of defensive lineman do we think the chiefs are going to be looking for in this draft?
4: You asking me, you asking me to call my shot on defensive coordinator.
3: Okay. <laughs> what? Um, no,
4: I just listen. Uh, I reserve the right to change my mind. If Steve Spagnuolo has an elite playoffs here, but I, I think that they would look at Joe Cullen again. I think he, he really overperformed as a defensive line coach this year. He's got experience. They clearly like him. They moved some moved some coaches around to keep him in-house. And frankly, just for the sake of draft talk, make Joe Cullen the defensive coordinator because then we're not just looking at a bunch of pass rushers and going, well, nope, that guy's a <laughs> nope. Nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> too light, too small. You know, Looking at Caleb Murphy and being like, well, he's kind of fun, but... Nope, he's too light. You know, so, I mean, yeah.
2: There's something to be said too like okay, like there's something to be said about where this team's at that they don't have a choice but to draft lighter edge rushers. Like you're I mean, there's a, there's an argument to be made that there's there probably needs to be some philosophical changes here as this team expects to be picking down there because of the rigidity of the pass rushers and the rigidity of the person selecting the pass rushers. <laughs> You know, this is a I'm,
3: thick edge rush group though. Uh There's plenty. A there's a, there's plenty of options for the thick defensive ends.
2: But you're talking about impact players that the Chiefs are going to have access to. Sure. That's not necessarily the case. And so I that's where...
3: Isaiah Foskey defend the run very Stop. very well. <laughs>
2: Stop it! Stop it! But well, like,
3: um, I'm with you guys. I, I just want to say, I'm with you. I don't even think it's. I don't think it's 100% dedicated to the defensive coordinator to make this change. I think there is an outside chance that Steve Spagnuolo, even if he's back at defensive coordinator might be willing to hedge a little bit on the personnel and how they're going about using them. That's just my theory. My feeling on that is he might be willing to go with a little bit lighter guy because they've been using pass rush roles. So specifically this year, like they very specifically have guys doing certain things I just think there's an outside chance. And then you go look at the new England Patriots and bill Belichick, who is notoriously getting big guys out there. They have mm-hmm. Josh Uche and he played like 400 pass snaps and like 96 run snaps all year <laughs> long. Like, he was, you know, he and, he was he elite on those 400 pass Ooh, he snaps was, too. And he was elitely bad on the 90 some run defense snaps too. So it's just, there's a chance. Um, you guys got anything else in defensive line, or can I pose my last big question here? The last big question last big before
2: question? we get out of here.
3: Sure, whatever floats your boat, buddy. Um,
2: well, kid's gonna safety. leave. It's just gonna be you and
3: me. <laughs> safety. Mm, how, yeah. how do we feel? Are the Chiefs locked up on safety. After the draft pick of Brian Cook, the addition of Justin Reed, uh, Juan Thornhill is coming up on his contract is being up now. I don't. What do we think the Chiefs are bringing him back? And then, what do we think about safety going forward? Is it a position you anticipate them targeting, or do you think they are okay with Cook and Reed as the as the the core, and they're just going to try to funnel in a third safety to to complement those
2: two guys?
4: I think, oh, man, Uh I'm I'm a Matty answer the hell out of this one. (laughs) Um, I don't think they're not looking. How about that? I don't think that Juan Thornhill is here. Um, But, you know, this is the the spot that they're going to be picking in the draft is a prime spot to add. Uh, really good safeties. That's where a lot of really, really good safeties have come out. And obviously there's some slam dunk guys that have gone earlier than that. That's fine, but there's a lot of really top quality safeties that have gone at the end of the first early second round. And there is a chance once again this year that there could be some really good safeties available at the end of the first round. So I think the chiefs are going to stack their board. I think they're going to have a lot of safeties high on their board, but I don't think they're going to go out of their way to move up for a guy. I like, I don't like a Brian Branch is there at 22 Maddie earmuffs. I don't think that they're going to trade up for that guy. I think they would just wait now, I I don't think he's going to be there, but, you know, I, I don't think that's a situation where they're going to <laughs> move heaven and earth to go make that happen. So with that in mind, um, I think that they have a shot basically to stay put. I think that's one of their stay put options at the end of the first round, not having to reach, just sit back, let the best safety come to you. If, you know, if they all fly off the board or if you need to make a trade up. Add the third safety at like, you know, round three, round four, something like that, and lean on Brian Cook and Justin Reed going forward. They have that flexibility. So I am perfectly fine with them just being comfortable with their safety position or drafting a guy that could potentially be a more game breaking safety on the back end.
2: There's, uh, hmm. uh, there's a couple of thoughts. Uh, who's making plays on the ball in the back end of that defense? Who's making plays back there? Because I don't see Brian Cook. And I really, honestly, Justin Reed, I don't see how many plays that he's going to be making on the back. Trent game. McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. Oh, you're hoping Lejarius Sneed. I just, I, I would love some more ball production back there, personally. Um, Someone, I think, with a little bit more range to play single high than those two, I think would be a little bit more preferable. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I, I, like, trying to build a group with Brian Cook Brian Branch and Justin cool. Reed would be interesting it'd be a it would be, be phenomenal'd right. be but it'd be also interesting like who you putting back there as in single high why am I You're playing like, single high no, I just I'm playing too high why you, am I playing single high you gotta play a little bit
3: like I just like who yeah, you if put I there have to, you... if I have to play it a little bit Justin Reed or Brian Branch I think are plenty athletic to go do it from time to time and and I Tyron Matthew did it from time to time for the Chiefs. <laughs> like I think we can get by with with, with yeah. Brian Branch and Justin redoing doing it. Both are plenty fast. Um, oh, and, and the, and, al- the
4: alley fills from the safety position with those three. Holy
3: shit! Oh, man, just and just the, the concept of Trent McDuffie, Legarius Sneed, or Brian Branch, or a combination of any two of those three playing in the slot on either side. One, you know, getting to play in man, like it's just. The amount of stuff that I think you can do with those three guys in particular because of how versatile their games are is through the roof. I, it is a huge Brian Branch uh, fan podcast, especially from Craig and I. Kent's a little more, a little bit more reserved on him. That's okay. But we're big Brian Branch fans. I think that there's a guy that can play man coverage as well as a cornerback. He's a guy that when he is playing, as like a deep half safety. He shows excellent IQ, excellent round awareness, and he's fantastic at coming up to play the run. There is not a lot of tape out there of him playing single high or really having to play even a ton of like quarter stuff. And that is the question you have for a guy that would have to do that in base. But how often are the Chiefs in base? Am I really not drafting a safety because I don't know what he looks like when he's playing as a deep single high safety? (laughs) Guess who else didn't do that coming out of Alabama very often? Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. Guess how darn good he's been in the NFL. Not that Brian Branch is going to be Minka Fitzpatrick. You, I heard was a you heard it that here would first. You heard it here first. That would be my player comp, though.
2: <laughs> I think the list starts and stops at Brian Branch as far as like the guys you're geeked out about if they yes. Chiefs take him in, Yeah, at the safety position. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think we kind of covered some of the big questions about the draft, like kind of getting an early look at that. And obviously, like free agency is going to change it, but there's a lot of contingencies and like there's some big pieces that could really change the outlook. And I think that's kind of what we wanted to look at a little bit today. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching again. Oh, wait, we do have some news real quick. Well, wait, what, but real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Big news. Bow, 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 bow. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> uh, Jim Ursay has just tweeted out that uh, he has just completed his interview with Eric Bienemy. Eric <laughs> Biennami has interviewed for the Indianapolis Colts job. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that he is getting this opportunity, Matthew. I, I kind of wondered if that was going to be the end of his chances of interviewing. But uh, 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 Chris Ballard and in, in the uh, in the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Ursay, have given Eric Bienem an interview today.
3: So there, there's a lot to unpack here from Jim Irsay announcing it on Twitter by just essentially saying we have completed our interview with Eric Bienem and then the flex emoji. So what what a way to announce, just straight from Ursay himself <laughs> as a tweet with emojis. That was amazing. <laughs> but then also, um, Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts for the the Colts, in the NFL for the athletic, also tweeted out the Colts have been digging in to Eric Bienemy the last few days. And then they had completed the interview with him for Jim Ursay. So they've apparently been doing a little bit of legwork the past couple of days. They were able to keep it under wraps here for a little bit. Now it's pop because Ursay just wanted to tell the world via a tweet. And, you know, I, I don't know if Ursay does stuff on purpose or not. I don't know what yes. his process is. <laughs> but it's just, it's interesting the way it was announced to me.
4: Yeah. I, and just to put it in reference with the rest of the coaches that the Colts have been looking at here, they, they've been seeking permission to interview St- Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson. Aaron Glenn, Raheem Morris. They did interview Bubba Ventron. They did interview uh, Ezuro Evero. And reportedly, you know, now Eric Biennemi is one of those. Jeff Saturday certainly has gotten an interview as well, kind of as the interim head coach there. So they are in on some of these players, you know, some of these coaches that are hotter names. But when you look at that, I mean, really, uh, Shane Steichen's the only guy that I think you, you look through that list and you're like, man, that, you know, that guy's been on more you know hothead coaching lists than a guy like Eric Bieniemy. So uh, it could be that they're looking for kind of that tier, obviously not going after you know, Sean Payton or anything like that, but could be looking at that tier. Maybe this is the spot that Eric Bieniemy finally gets himself a shot to coach an NFL team.
2: Okay, so. One thought here is, you know, with Jeff Saturday, former player, uh, culture guy, they really they wanted to try to bring him in here to um, bring him into the you know the building for the rest of the season to establish a culture, have some brutally honest conversations with you know with that with that team. And the funny thing is, if you read some of the reports and stuff, it sounds like some of those things were really genuinely materializing for the for that organization. A lot of the on-field. Pro- product on on Sundays wasn't necessarily translating to some of the anonymous like feedback that they were giving about the the Jeff Saturday era that said hey look you know there's some you know maybe not the the best best you know Sunday performances but you know some some of the responses to these guys and and the culture being established in some ways you know was working well Eric B doesn't pull punches that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that that team's you know that that the that the team respects about him that players respect about him the brutal honesty the accountability the the you know loving guys hard i mean if that if those were some of the things that jim Ursay was seeking in his next head coach well i mean i think there's there's some correlation to what eric Pienemi can provide when you listen to some of the things that that players hold um dearly ab- about about Eric B is that accountability and that leadership and that um, brutal honesty that, you know, breeds a, a lot of love too.
3: I I think EB is the kind of coach that makes a lot of sense for the Colts uh, coming off of Frank Reich. And he's kind of the, the offensive mind, a play caller. He's in control of one side of the football, which makes him an easy scapegoat when that side of the football doesn't work. But usually when you do that and it fails, the pendulum swings the other way. So you might consider a defensive head coach, but Defensive head coaches don't work out a lot in the NFL anymore. Mm-hmm. NFL's kind of turning away from those guys. So the next type is the motivational guy, a manager type. And I think that's EB's path to being a head coach and candidate. I don't think he comes across – I mean, I could be entirely wrong, but as a guy that's going to control the whole offense, call all the plays, design everything, he's going to have his fingers in there but that's not what he's going to do. He is going to be managing everybody else, put together a good staff, have a good beat and a good read on everybody. And if you look at the Colts roster over the past years, they haven't won because of Frank Reich's elite offensive game planning or play yeah. calling. It's been based on the type of player they get, the buy-in they've been getting. Like That seems to really resonate with the way Chris Ballard scouts, the way that scouting department brings players in, and what they respond to. So I think Eric Bieniemy makes a lot of sense for that team. I think that's a good mesh, and it's a quality roster of guys overperforming their talent level, but it's still a quality roster. They're just a quarterback away. You're not asking Eric Bieniemy, first time head coach to come in there and rebuild a 53 man roster. He needs to find a quarterback and keep everyone motivated. And then they should see themselves as a, com- a competitor for the playoffs or the, you know, the super bowl. It's like, that's a good spot. That's a good spot to be in for that type of coach. I think it makes sense from both sides, but boy, they're interviewing everybody right now.
4: They kind of are. Yeah. And I'm, I'm lockstep with Maddie there. I, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, you look at that Colts roster and kind of the way that every season recently has spiraled downward further and further. You need a guy that's going to try and hold some accountability, try and bring that squad up. And, you know, after they trade for Derek Carr and they have their quarterback, like at that point, you know, you can look at that <laughs> roster and go, oh, they probably are going to win the AFC South. And that's, I mean, with Eric being animated at helm, that's not out of the question and,
2: Boy, that would be a hell of a turnaround in year one. You know, one other thing to kind of keep an eye on when it comes to Eric the Enemy and the Colts potentially is he was firsthand to watch, a, you know, a quarterback developmental process. You know, if the if the if you know, I know you, you know, tongue in cheek a little bit about Derek Carr. I hope, um, but if, if they go take the swing at quarterback, which I think Colts fans have probably been wanting them to for the longest time, if they go if they go make a big move and, and get a uh, Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. Well, I mean, he, Eric Bieniemy got a, you know, was, was a big part of helping develop Patrick Mahomes when he first got in there, too. And he's kind of seen that development, that transition and how to help facilitate a young quarterback starting to to enter the league. It's going to be interesting to monitor. We'll see. You know, I, I believe Times Ours has reported that there are potentially uh, in Times Ours, Nate Taylor. Uh, Seth Kaiser, Joshua Briscoe. I'm. I don't think I need to explain who those guys are. But um, you know, it sounds like times are The uh, Nate's reporting that, um, and you can find Nate on KC Sports Network too. Uh, that that there might be even more interviews for Eric Bieni uh, in line as well. So good for Eric Bieni uh, that he's getting some more opportunities, and uh, we'll find out if he is the next coach of the Indianapolis Col- Colts or somebody else. Eric Bieni interviewing. With Jerm Ursae, Thursday night, January 12th. That is going to do it now for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you, and we'll catch you later.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN covering the chiefs the royals sporting kc and the kc current plus ku k-state or mizzou by searching kcsn wherever you listen to podcasts we're also on youtube entertain educate inform kc sports network
0: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently